Hi, it's Michelle. Welcome to this segment of Daily Bread with Jam, a Holy Spirit You Channel podcast. No respecter of persons. No respecter of persons. Before I hop into it, I just want to say that this is a whosoever will podcast. Uh, regardless of where you are in your walk, if you don't have a walk yet, you are still here. Thank you for your time. I appreciate you. I bless you just for being here. We're going to hop right into right now the No Respecter of Persons segment of the series Pivoting Out of Cursing into Blessing. It's time to pivot out of cursing into blessing. So let's do it. God is no respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of choices. God is no respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of choices. Now, if you're like me, and I'm not saying, just understand, I qualify a lot of things because I have heard and seen uh, from people direct saying things directly to me or have heard about them saying things to other people or have observed them saying things to other people, things that I, it's like, okay, that's not even what we're talking about. So I qualify things because I want to be clear about where I'm coming from and the perspective and the purview from which I am speaking, which is my own. Um, and by that, what I mean is I know what I believe the Lord has said to me, what he's taught me, what he's shown me, what he continues to teach me in the name of Jesus and by the power of Holy Spirit. So when I'm saying things, number one, if you have any questions you, are feel, you feel free to put your questions. You can message me or you can put them in the comments, but please don't come with any foolishness. What I'm saying is exactly what I mean to say to the degree that I know that in terms of how Holy Spirit is leading me. If your experience is different, that's fine. But this is not one of those places where we're going to argue about anything. I'm not trying to convince you of something so much as I know that I am here to challenge all of us to really think about who God is and what we believe about him and why our lives in certain areas either are jacked up, have been jacked up, or we can't seem to get it straight. On a day-to-day -day basis, we should be getting better, not worse. So when I hear people say the world is not like it used to be or it was better before, no, it wasn't. It was just hidden before. It wasn't better. It was just hidden. So now the gateways have been opened and, and they, they are the gateways have been opened. Let me just stop it there. The gateways have been opened for the display. The Lord says to us that which is done in secret shall be revealed. That's good and bad. You know, we like to use the terminology, I don't need to see how the sausage is made or whatever. Oh, no, that's what the, the Lord's going to have us see how the sausage is made in some cases, not in every instance. But where needed, he's going to definitely show us because he wants to show us our own degradation, our own nature, our own need for redemption, our own need for him. He wants to reveal that individually, but it cannot be revealed individually if we are not willing to see it. It's still there. 
and more so than just behaviors and speech. He's talking about what we're thinking. We, we look at the behaviors. He says, you're looking at the outside. You look at the status. You look at the job. You look at the material things. You look at all of these things that I'm not even thinking about because I'm looking at what you're thinking. He knows the beginning from the end, the end from the beginning. He is the alpha and the omega, the beginner at beginning and the end of our faith, the author and the finisher of our faith. So he knows. He tells us there's nothing new under the sun. There's, I, can, I saw you coming. What do you think the cross is about? See, and this is what we have forgotten because somehow the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life deceives us into thinking we are doing something new and something different and something that while may be beyond, be, be beyond the seeing and the hearing of other humans is never beyond the seeing and the hearing and the knowing of God. God is not a respecter of persons. He is a respecter of choices. Why? Because he gave us the capacity to make choices. And then he's given us the instructions. So he gave us the capacity. And then he took care of everything so that we would have a way to make the choice that brings us out of death into life. And then he said, here's how you do it. And we still want to push back, not only with each other, but on God himself to say, no, you're not who you say you are. You're just this. You're only a man. You don't have the capacity. You didn't do anything for me. Okay. He says, no problem. If that's what you want to believe, if that's what you are committed to believing, then I have given you the capacity to even believe that. See, and that—that's the—that when we talk about unconditional love, we don't—we haven't even gotten there. We—we we haven't even started. How many of us can actually say to someone that we love, if you want to believe X, Y, Z about me, or or want to love, or want to be friends with, or want to be in relationship with? And I'm not just talking about romantic relationships, although we like to stay in those places. I'm talking about any kind of relationship. You want to believe that about me because it's convenient for you. But God is not a God of convenience. He's a God of commitment. He's a God of covenant. He's a God of consolation. He's a God of compassion. But he also tells us how you treat others is how I'm going to treat you. What you do to others is what you're going to get from me. If you forgive, then I forgive. When you, lo- when you give to the poor or otherwise, right? When you give to the poor, otherwise, you're loaning to me. So I'm responsible for repaying you. So he gives us the capacity to for free choice, not free will, free choice. And then he says, let me take care of this because I'm giving them capacity for free choice. I also, because I am just, I am going to make sure that they have the opportunity since they are mired in death, and I don't mean just physical death, the body will fall away, but the spirit and the soul, that's why it says that the body will go ashes to ashes, dust to dust. That's why we even talk about eternal life, because we think everything goes into the ground. No, just the part that came out of the ground goes back into the ground. The part that came out of the spirit is going back into the spirit realm. And so these are things we have to understand. 
He, tell, he, he gave us the capacity for free choice, made sure that we can choose, knowing that we are in a state of sin, seriously in need of healing. All of us are born into this chronic disease of humanity. It doesn't matter how it manifests. The basis of all sin is a lie. Period. Whatever form that takes. And it's not for us to make those determinations. We can help each other make choices, but we cannot make choices for someone else. Neither is it possible for us to rob someone else of their choices because God gave that capacity. And if we are exercising that, then God is going to either show up in our choices or he's going to let us continue down the road of believing that that's not his function. He is no respecter of persons. So he has, he has all, that has always been in the Bible. It's always been in there. This isn't new, 20, whatever year we're in. This isn't new. It's always been in the Bible that he is no respecter of persons. What does that mean? He means that he does not care what you look like. He doesn't care what country you came from because he put you there. He doesn't matter what your complexion is. He doesn't ma- it doesn't matter what your preferences are. No respecter of persons. So anyone that is saying that, perpetuating that, or subscribing to that, has not read the whole Bible, or they don't believe God. We might have and do have our issues with one another. Why do you think he came and did all this? Because he knew we were going to have them. He said, well, you can't really, you know, it's not really their fault. I'm allowing this. I'm honoring their choices. Whether you do or not, I'm honoring their choices, and to the degree that you have interfered or continue to interfere with someone, someone else's ability to make choices from death to life, life to death, then I'm holding you accountable. Not only that, what choices are you making to think that it's proper for you to interfere in anyone's life process? It's one thing for us to be consoling and consulting one another. And I say consulting not in the business sense. Consulting in the sense of our compassion and our humanity. Look, I've been there. I know. That's what th- th- this whole podcast is about me learning stuff and knowing that by the Spirit of God, I'm supposed to share it. That's what it's about. Yes, I want you to like, subscribe, su- su- subscribe and all of that. But that's not my intention. That's part of the process. I wouldn't be on here if the Lord hadn't said, okay, all of this stuff I've been teaching you all these years, now I need you to share so that someone might be helped. It is our responsibility, first and foremost to God, for the Lord our God is one. Therefore, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and strength and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said these are the two greatest commandments. And people will say, well, it doesn't say anything about me. No, you, you're, yes, yes, it does. You love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and strength, and you love your neighbor as yourself. You're right in the middle of it. The cross, a huh, little bit off course, not entirely. Actually, not off course at all. I just didn't know this was going to come up. The cross is an example of us up to God. The, the, the vertical is us up to God. The horizontal is us out to each other. And if you notice, there are no chips, 
so to speak, or, or levels in the cross. The cross is straight across, meaning regardless of where we are in our process, our preferences, our culture, our heritage, our race, our beliefs, our understanding, he's looking at everybody the same way. It's not there's a lower level for some and a higher level for others. First of all, we don't make that determination. Number two, everybody has equal opportunity. It doesn't matter. We like to fight about stuff like that. But God has already provided himself in the entirety of the process. He is not a respecter of persons. He is a respecter of choices. Regardless of whether your choice is for him or against him, he's going to honor that because God is love and unconditional love looks like, hey, I made you with this, so I'm going to honor my own self. Our God is going to honor his self in his process that he provided for. And Abraham went up the, the hill to the altar with his son. And he raised the knife or whatever tool it was to offer his son. And he looked and there was a ram. The Lord had provided himself. We get stuck on the ram part. He provided himself a ram. And in the same place later, he provided himself a lamb. The point is that he provided himself. What do you think we're here talking about today? Why are we even here? Why are we even still here to talk about it? Because the Lord keeps providing himself. He's eternal. So when we talk about, you know, we like to talk about the by and by, oh, when I get to heaven. No, you got to, this is the, this is right here. Here we are on earth as it is in heaven. What are we talking about then? We can't get it together here, but we want to go to heaven because we think we can deceive God into letting us in because of performance and performative things. And he does not care about any of that because he says, I'm the one that provided it. If you're going to get in, I've given you the instructions. I've not only provided the sacrifice you needed to pull you out of this mess. But I've given you the instructions on how to do it. Not only that, I've provided myself in three different forms so that you don't have any excuse. No respecter of persons, a respecter of choices. So I've struggled, back to my initial statement, I've struggled in my own walk and continue to on occasion. Okay, so you want me to go talk to this person that looks like they got it all together. I'm trying to get from point A to whatever point it might be. They look like they already there, but you want me to go and, or you want me to give in, or they look like they, they look like they got what I'm asking for, or what I, what I thought I was supposed to have at this point in my life. They look like they got it, and they're not even using it the way, right? I know I'm not the only one. It's okay. And people say, don't question God. No, I'm going to, I don't, I don't question God. If I did, I wouldn't be doing this podcast. I don't question him, but I do have questions for him. And he doesn't have to answer me, and I know that. That doesn't mean that the flesh doesn't have to wrestle with some things. How do we mature in Christ by the power of the Spirit if the dirt can't, we can't work out the dirt within us? No, we want to play in other people's dirt. We want to expose other people at levels we would never want to be exposed. But we think it's okay for us to expose them. God's holding us accountable. 
No respecter of persons, but a respecter of choices. Everything that's done in the dark is going to be revealed, good or bad. That's a spiritual principle. That's not someone's opinion. That is just how it works. Some people call it karma. Call it what you like. And generally, karma we use in a negative sense. So we don't have to basically, we're saying, well, people can do X, Y, Z. And everything doesn't have to be, tra- everything that's bad is not trauma, traumatic. Everything that's bad is not tragic. So we might be looking for these big things and like, don't worry about it. God's going to get them or karma's going to get them or whatever. No, uh, uh, you reap what you sow. So if you're, if you're intentionally yielded to God, submitted to God, repentant unto God, or being led of his spirit in private, that will also be revealed. It's not just the bad stuff. He's no respecter of persons. He's respecter of choices. So the principle applies no matter what you're doing. And anything that you have not repented of is not covered by the cross or the blood of Jesus. It's not covered. If you want to be unforgiving, he's going to let you be unforgiving. And at the end of the day, if you think you're supposed to go to heaven and you go to the judge, you're in judgment day, and he's going to say, did you forgive? And you're going to say, well, no, I didn't have to. He's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. Why? Because that's not his way. That's why he tells us. He said, don't <laughs> be not deceived. God is not mocked. But guess what? Don't deceive yourself. How do we deceive ourselves? Because we feel justified in the things that God has told us we're not justified in. He understands our hurt. He understands our pain. It says he has commiserated with us. He has sacrificed himself for uh, for us. Why would he do that if he didn't understand the pain of death? And I don't mean just physical death. The pain of loss, the pain of disappointment, the pain of being hungry, the pain of not having financial uh, needs met. Yes, he was Christ, but he was also simultaneously human, which means he was tested in everything that we find ourselves tested in. Now, I may not be tested in the same areas you are, but in, in, in terms of a collective humanity, he was tested, just like we get tested. Why is that even an issue? If trial is not part of the walk, then what are we talking about? No respecter of persons, but a respecter of choices. So the question then becomes, what choices are we making in our daily trials? And there are different levels of trials, not different levels of sin. God doesn't look at us and say, oh, well, that person's sinning. No, it's all, he gave himself for the whole thing. So anytime we do that, we're dividing up the cross like we have some stake in it, like we put ourselves up there. Like it was us on the cross. No, and crucifixion, by the way, was not what made him the son of God. It was the resurrection or confirmed him to be the son of God. It was the resurrection. Now, he had proven it throughout Jesus Christ, had proven it throughout his entirety on the, on, on the, in the earth and in his ministry. He proved it. Even when he was a baby, he proved it. But throughout his entire ministry, he demonstrated even to the point where they're coming to get him to take him to the crucifixion. They came to get him. He breathed. They fell back. They being the centurions or whatever the cadre of people were that came to get him. He just breathed. So he's showing us throughout the entirety of his ministry who he is. 
without compromising himself to the point that we, he wouldn't be a sufficient sacrifice for the Father. He and the Father, Abba, made the agreement before he was crucified or sacrificed as a lamb in heaven before he came down to be here, spirit first. What makes us think we're any different? Spirit first. Understand the spiritual principles before we launch headlong into saying things that God does not agree with. Those that do not agree cannot walk together. Now, whether that's you and God, me and you, or whoever it might be, if we don't agree, we can't walk together. That doesn't mean, however, that I can't bless you. And even in not agreeing, that doesn't mean that I can't unconditionally love you. That doesn't mean that I have to interfere with your life. That doesn't mean that I have to try to destroy or, or interrupt your, your, your decision-making process. The, the standard for our lives is not, I'm not your standard, you're not mine. No one else can be your standard because we're all in the same situation. We like to nuance it through caste systems and these other types of who lives where, what they look like, what they wear, what affiliations or associations they have, what churches they go to, what schools they attended. God doesn't care about any of that. Not a respecter of persons. That's what that means. Respecter of choices. And he gave us the faculty of choice. He gave us that capability. Then he says, therefore choose life. Here's what it looks like. You're going to see both, but I'm sharpening your senses and your discernment to be able to see by my spirit that this is what life looks like. Blessing is life. Life is blessing. Cursing is death. Death is cursing. And I don't mean, understand, physically every human has to transition, spiritual principle. But as we not just get older, because you have some very, you have older people who are not mature in the spirit. They are spiritually not developed properly. And depending on when someone gets, confesses Jesus, we don't know where they are in their process. That's not our judgment to make. What we have to do individually and thus collectively is decide if we are for God or not. Do we believe or not? Do we confess Jesus or not? Are we going to be led of the Spirit or not? And then he will handle it. No respecter of persons. It is a whosoever will situation. So anyone that's telling you you're not good enough, you don't look right, you don't have the right stuff, you can't do anything for me. This is how we vote. This is where we go to school. Jesus is not looking at any of that. But anything that's done in the name of Jesus, quote unquote, that hinders someone from coming to him, that's what we're going to be held accountable for. doesn't mean we're going to agree across the board. And by the way, disagreement doesn't mean arguing, fighting, all of that stuff. It does not. That is a lack of maturity. He says, if you go read the Bible, the whole thing, it tells us, particularly in the New Testament, that why are there these things, these fightings among you? It's because you have <laughs> or you envy. 
It's because you envy what someone else has. You're jealous. It's because of all of the things he told us not to do in the New Testament. I mean, in the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments, which is really the ten categories of commandments. 600 plus laws total. He says, the only reason you have these things is because you, you're doing these things. The Ten Commandments got summed up into two in the New Testament. Then he says, if these things still exist among you, it's because you're not even now honoring. I took it from ten to two. You can't even do this. There's no respecter of persons. The Word of God, particularly the New Testament, not that the Old Testament is significant unto itself, but the New Testament is where we see the story of redemption that is initially shown to us in various segments of the Old Testament. But it is brought to life in Christ in the New Testament. Respecter, no respecter of persons, respecter of choices. So the choice we have to make every day is, do, am I believing today? Am I repenting today? Am I humbling myself today? Am I wrestling down the flesh today? Am I just going to cry out to the Lord today? Am I going to take a nap today and just let him do his work? Am I going to stay out of the Lord's way and stay out of somebody else's? Am I going to trip up my brother or sister? Seek not your own, but everyone, someone else's benefit, someone else's wealth. We think wealth, we think money. God thinks spirit first. How are you enriching someone else's life? Can you put your own needs and wants down long enough to bless someone else? Spirit, soul, and or body, no respecter of persons. We all have the same opportunity. We want to make it look like it. we don't because we think that gives us an edge. But be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever we sow is that's what we're going to reap. And then he says, don't deceive yourself. Don't think that just because you make up these rules and you find these, what you think are loopholes, don't, that doesn't change who I am. I am the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. There is no shadow of darkness in me. So those, all of those schemes and manipulations you've got going on don't apply to me, but you will have to give an account for them. He's given us life if we accept it. Not forced. He says, look, I've done all of it for you. Did everything you needed me to do. We don't like to talk about sin seriously and need of healing only because we like, to, we like to think that if we don't talk about it, that makes us better people. Sin is a spiritual reality. It has nothing to do with the kind of person you are. And yes, at the same time, it does. We think sin is an action. No, it's a spiritual principle. We are all seriously in need of healing. I will say it again. It is the chronic disease of humanity. And how do we change that? We choose life. When we get over ourselves, we choose life. You say, okay, Lord, I don't understand it. I may not get it. But guess what? I do not want to bear the weight of my own sin. Not today, not any day, and most certainly not for eternity. So deliverance has draweth nigh. The kingdom used to be at hand. Now the kingdom is in hand. Why? Because he says, whosoever will come, 
I'll help you. I'll show you. I'll walk with you. I'll lead you. I'll guide you into life, into love, into peace, into joy, into every aspect of truth. That's what I came to do. We want to fight about what that means, who said it, why they said it, when they said it, what we can get out of it, how much money it's going to make, why they can't do it because they're not any better than us. You know, the list goes on. And we like to split hairs. We like to take the smallest part of the pie and split it so that it means zero for some and everything for nothing. And God is God, so he can provide 100% of 100%. So when you want to talk about division, that's why he hates division. (laughs) Division is the opposite of unity. And God is one. One meaning unified. In spirit in purpose, in vision, in mission. Not only that, for those of you that claim to be the church, he's saying, oh, no, the judgment's going to start with you. You can talk about the world all you want to. Judgment starts at my own house. See, he's just. Like, uh-uh, we're not, no, we're not skipping over this part. You can point to the, the world all you want to. First of all, you are the world. In the church. But if you're claiming my name, but you're not representing me, you're not bearing my fruit, then guess what? Judgment's here right now. Judgment is always present. But until he says otherwise, mercy is triumphing over judgment. We think because there's not an immediate consequence in most circumstances, in most situations, there's not an immediate consequence, there's not an immediate judgment, there's not an immediate visible, there's not immediate visible evidence. We think we can just go on doing our thing. That's why he says I'm going to come like a thief, like a thief in the night. You better be ready. It may not, first of all, the thief, he's coming as a thief, which means we're not going to know. And it may not even be night. He's using that parabolically to say, you don't know when I'm coming. Don't think you do. So while you think I'm not there, I need you to get it together. Because I do have rules and I do have guidelines that I have freely shared with you, even up to my own life, to make sure that today you are with me in paradise whenever your today comes. No respecter of persons, but a respecter of choices. It's not complicated. It's hard, but it's simple. You got to deal with your own stuff. You got to deal with your own junk. And for most of us, we don't want to do that because it's easier for, for us to do, berate and make other people feel bad about themselves than it is to deal with the stuff that we haven't wanted to deal with. And some of that is spiritual genealogy. I'll do a separate segment on that at some point when the Lord allows it. But some point is some of it is spiritual genealogy, things we inherited through our bloodline spiritually. Not just the medical stuff. Oh, I got this or I got that. I got it from, you know, grandmothers or grandfathers or parents or whatever. No. Would you get spiritually? Some of it is a harvest of our own making. We sowed the seed for it, and we're reaping it, and then we want to blame somebody else for it. No, the farmer sows the seed. 
That's why he says, don't be deceived. What you sow is what you are going to reap. You might think you're shoveling stuff to other people, but every time you shovel it, I'm multiplying it back to you. The same is the principle with blessing. Every time you bless, blessing is multiplied back, not because we are, quote unquote, worthy of it, but because God is honoring himself. That's his principle. When they give out of a pure heart, led of my spirit, then that blessing is going to multiply back. Saying blessed and highly favored doesn't mean you're blessed or highly favored. The Lord is who determines that, and he determines that based on each of our willingness to submit and be led. To obey me is to love, uh, to love, to love me is to obey me. If you understand that thing right there, then you'll understand why the, the, the language of the husband and wife is written the way that it is. It's love language. It's not meant to, to, to be uh, negative submission. It's submission to one another. The husband's love language is leadership primarily. Leadership. Doesn't mean women can't be leaders, so stop. The husband's, the man, the male's love language is generally leadership, strength, power. It is not saying that women cannot be. So stop with that. On the other hand, the women's role, the woman's role, the female's role has typically or historically been, according to God, to nurture. She's driven by emotion. He's driven by strength. Physical versus emotional. Let's do it that way. Not talking about the qualities. Don't get caught up in the, in the, in the foolishness that we like to engage in. God is inclusive. So he's talking about all of us. So whether you're driven physically, something physical is your love language. If you're driven emotionally, then something like love. Wives obey. Why? Physical, strength, leadership. Uh, uh, wives submit under a covering that will protect you. He's not telling us to submit to foolishness. Husband's love. Why? Because that's what's going to cause her, right? The function is built in. What he tells us to do is what brings out the function. We want to go, oh, I'm not submitting to and mm-hmm. That's the problem. Because we don't get the spiritual principle. For all of us, for each of us. And it doesn't matter where we are. In our walk, in our life, in our physical, geographical locations. It's for all. He's accounted for all of us. He's accounted for all of our choices. And he then says, you can still choose life. I'm still here. If you can wake up in the morning, you can still choose me. Because mercy is new every morning, and then grace comes with it to help us make the shift. So do not ever 
say to anybody that they are excluded from the plan of God when before he even came, we were all accounted for. Whatever the situation, circumstances, whatever the choices, preferences, whatever the races, races, creed, cultures, and all of the other things, he's accounted for it. Not a respecter of persons, a respecter of choices. I bless you. I love agape you. I appreciate you spending the time God has given you here with me today. I look forward to being able to continue to do this with you as long as the Lord allows. What are you choosing today? Who are you choosing today? Because any collective, what I'm going to call what the Lord has shown me, a revive all, you know, we like to say revival. In the New Testament, in the, uh, Psalms, it says, revive us again. <laughs> and what, what he recently showed me, showed me was that if we get to this place of being able to walk in blessing, pivot out of cursing into blessing. By the way, the cursing is our own rebellion, individual, which therefore makes it collective. We pivot out of that into a position of blessing and choosing life. Then behind that comes uh, restoration, healing, and revive all, R-E-V-I-V-E hyphen all, by the Spirit of God, not by the plan of people, a spontaneous sense and move of God across the face of the earth, a revive all on earth as it is in heaven. We like to say the words. We don't like to do the deep work required. He says, and they could do no, he could do no miracles there, not because he couldn't do miracles, but because we are co-laborers. So miracles require, uh, require us working with him, not against him. Otherwise, he'd be overriding our choices. Well, I'm going to stand here and say I believe Jesus, but I, you know I don't really believe in any stuff that's going on right now. Okay, he says, next. Because if he did a miracle in a place of unbelief, which he did, he showed us this, we, we still, it wouldn't make a difference. It's not the miracle that changes us. The external, the manifestation, let me say, the manifestation of the miracle. It's not the manifestation of the miracle that changes us. It's us believing that he is the God, he is a miraculous, supernatural God who then steps into a situation we know is impossible. But he steps into it and says, no, it's not, not for me. And when that belief isn't present, then he says, even if I did a miracle, you wouldn't recognize it because you didn't believe to begin with. So now you've, you're trying to put me in a position, say it the Lord, where I have to prove something to you. I don't have to prove anything to you. I've given you everything you need. At one point in the New Testament it says, so that they have no excuse. The God of life has given us life. The God of life has given us choices. And then he tells us how to use those choices. 
he tells us. He says, just let me lead you. I'm going to get you there, and we'll find something wrong with that. So what do you want to believe? God is no respecter of persons. Whosoever will, come. He's no respecter of persons. He's told us that. If you want to find fault even with God, then you're going to find fault even with God. He's not going to do miracles there. But if you want change in your life, if you want to be led of the Spirit of God, if you want restoration and healing and deliverance for yourself and your family and even for people you do not know, then humble yourself, repent. God is no respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of choices. My name is Michelle. Thank you for joining me for this segment of Daily Bread with Jam, a Holy Spirit You Channel podcast. I love you. Agape. I bless you. Pray peace, joy, love, healing, restoration over your life. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.